You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Whenever we uh, start uh, reading Sefer Shmois, and specifically Parsha Shmois, uh, I can't help but thinking back to the period in the not-so-recent past when Kal Yisrael was almost destroyed. But first they were, of course, um, dehumanized and enslaved. And that, of course, was the period that the... Um, of the German control over Eastern Europe. And there's always a great amount of parallels. Um, and even, um, you know, we, we have, for example, um, you know, obviously cases that, that, that are very similar in terms of, in terms of hiding children, in terms of um, um, you know, listening, of capos. There, there's so many parallels that it's, it's shocking, uh, you know, the difference between the capos that that were in the camps and in the uh, obviously in the ghettos who were working with the government and the Jewish shotrim that would argue with Paro and again it's it's always a, a study that's fascinating to do and I can't help being drawn back to it. One of the great uh, works that. Uh, was written by a man who uh, was very young when the when the Shoah began, uh, Rabbi Ephraim Oshri, who was already a, quite a brilliant Talmud Chacham, and he survived uh, his days in the Kovne Ghetto, and I think even his transportation to one of the camps, I'm not sure which one it was, and he ended up writing five volumes Maybe you've heard of them, Dr. Kogan, or maybe Richard and Moshe. Yes. It's, yes. it's called Shaius Chuvas Mimamakim. Yes. Chuvas from the Depths. Uh, the book was later, these five volumes, he collected some of the uh, more dramatic or juiciest or easiest to translate, and they were translated as responsa from the Holocaust. So here's one from the third volume that I found quite interesting, and I want to share it with you as a halacha lamaisa that actually um, is interesting that most people really don't think about. So here's the, here was the case. <laughs> so here was the story. They said this was a nineteen forty one in Kovna. The Germans said that they've done their math and they've discovered that there's more women than men in the ghetto. Why? Because at the last action, right, the, uh, what they did was they took out a, a bunch of men to kill. And therefore, there are a bunch of women that were almanais. So therefore, they issued a decree that they were going to kill women who were not married to men. <laughs> 
because they figured, look, the men were still the ones that even in the ghetto that were working so on such difficult positions, but at least there was a man there. If there's a woman whose husband has already been taken because they decided to kill him, but any of these widows, they're just going to kill the widows because they won't be able to fend for themselves. So the only women that wouldn't be rounded up and killed would be the women that still had husbands. And you can see how terrible the logic was, this terrible, terrible um, type of government. Government is the wrong word to use. But again, first they kill all the men, and they say, well, now we've got to kill the women because the women are draining from the, the community. So everybody was hearing about that. So many of the women who were single, even, you know, they said they, they ran to find to get married. And therefore, whoever they could find to be a husband, right? Let's get married. So there was one of those women whose husbands was taken in the Axion. And then he was gone. So she thought that, what do you think those Axians are? They take him and they take him into the forest and they shoot them, right, Dr. Kogan? That's what they did. This is before the, the, the before yes. they would take him to the camps. Yes. They would, they would march them out of the ghetto in Kovna, take them to some you know, place, mm-hmm. have them dig a mass grave and just shoot them all. Yes. And, and, and she figured if he would have somehow survived, he would have made his way back to, to the to the ghetto. So that was her Savara that he's dead. But of course, it was also tinged with her worry that she would be slaughtered for being a, a woman who was a parasite. So she found some husband. And I, I said before that it was after the war, but this was actually... During the war, and amazingly, they were able to survive. To they somehow the the wife who remarried and the new child were somehow able to find a place to uh, to to go into hiding, and they were able to stay in hiding until the war was over. So, where did they go from Kovna? Sounds like they went from Kovna to some place over the sea. Was it Israel? Was it America? I don't know. Maybe it was in America. And he, he was a very bright boy. He got smicha as a rov. He got married. In fact, this young man with a promising future had a shul that took him as one of their rabbonim. But then, Someone came to him and said, I was the husband of your father, of your mother. The Germans took me. 
they persecuted. Somehow I was able to live. And after, I guess he was thrown into some sort of work camp. I guess not everybody that was taken out in the Axians was shot. Some of them were able to survive and then get caught again and then maybe thrown into some camp. And if they were strong enough, and who knows what the actual reasons were, but some people survived in the camps. After he was freed from the concentration camps, he has been endlessly trying to find out about the woman he was married to. Finally, you know, through his research, he was able to discover that she had actually remarried. And there's this child. And he felt that she was wrong in what she did. She didn't even do the research that we were expect. So therefore, he said, I'm going to find her. I'm going to find that mamzer, literally, of a child. I'm going to tell the world about them. And I want to make sure that everybody realizes that this child is a mamzer. And that people should realize not to have mamzerim. We don't want to have mamzerim in the world. Now, one of the things he also wanted to do was to make sure that she would have to leave her husband. So what happened with that? So it turned out either the husband had died already, the second husband, or maybe the um, maybe the wife had died, his ex-wife had died, or his real wife had died. But he was able to find the mamzer. He was able to find his not his son, but his wife's son. And he discovered that here he is as a rabbi in one of the communities. And therefore, he's going to tell the world about what happened. And he, in other words, first of all, as a mamzer, he's going to have to divorce his wife because a mamzer cannot live with a Bas Yisrael. And now that he's a rabbi, he's going to make sure that he's not a rabbi. How could a mamzer be a rabbi? So that was this man's campaign. Now, I don't know why he just didn't do it, but somehow he first, his his, his mother's ex-husband decided to sort of tell him what he was threatening him to do. Um, somehow he found himself by Rabbi Ephraim Oshri. Now, Rabbi Ephraim Oshri, um, uh, as a young man, uh, he was in, in his 30s by the liberation. Uh, he was in Rome for a while. I guess he was in the DP camps first, and then he was in Rome. He started a yeshiva in Rome. And then uh, he was able to get a visa to Montreal. And then from Montreal, he uh, came to America in 1952. And he had a yeshiva, a yeshiva called Beis Medrash HaGodol. And he, he built a yeshiva in, in, in New York. Um, he lived to actually be quite old. He actually lived to almost to be 90 years old. Um, he himself had lost a wife 
and children in the war. And uh, as a young man, and did get remarried. His wife lived to be um, uh, over a hundred, I think. His second wife. She only. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, is that Rav Oshri was seen, I guess, as someone who you went to with Holocaust questions. So he came to Rav Oshri crying how terrible it is, and it's going to be such a chil Hashem. People are going to realize that I just got this position. It's a very good position that I'm a mom, sir. I can't even be married to my wife. He went back to his to the man and he begged him, don't say it. Please, let me go ask the Rabbonim what I can do. I didn't ever hurt you. It's not me. I know what you want to do, but is there some way we can somehow minimize this great Chil Hashem that will happen? So there was a little bit of, uh, despite, you know, his thirst for revenge, that the man who had been the, the husband of, 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 the, of this fellow's mother, he agreed. He says, okay, go ask the Rabbanim, go ask uh, Rav Oshri, and let's hear what he has to say. Rav Oshri says when the man came to him, he was young. But I could even tell there was gray in his beard from worry. Crying, he told me. Um, he says, this is going to destroy me. It's going to destroy my marriage. It's going to destroy my job. Can you please give me some sort of psaac that I can go back to this man? All right. So Ravoshri went through this question. Let's look at this without passion. Can a mamzer be a rabbi? So you look in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that everybody can don dine mamanos. Dine nefoshos, you've got to be a miyuchas to decide whether someone lives or die. What does that mean? Anybody, hakol, ksherin, lasuye mai, lasuye mamzer. That's what the, the Rav Yehuda says. Even a mamzer can be on a bezdin deciding a very important money case, even. Okay. Now, the Rambam, Paskins, also, that a mamzer can be a, a, on a bezdin. In the Shulchan Aruch, it says that. You can even have three mamzerim. Sometimes that's what they the the the, the Bali didn't say after they leave the court. <laughs> they all three were mamzerim in terms of the dayonim. I hope they didn't say that about me, but but anyway, this is actually literal mamzerim. So the, the Shulchan Aruch says you can have, even have three mamzerim, not just one. Now. Um, So, Lachora, you can be a Dayan. So, if you can be a Dayan, maybe you should also be able to be a Rav. So, 
where does it ever say that a, a mamzer can't be a rav? So there is a very famous sefer called the Besamim Rosh. This was a sefer that was attributed to the famous Rav Asher ben Yechiel, but it's probably a forgery. However, many people used it. It was um, it was brought to uh, print by the son of a very famous rabbi, Rav Shol Berlin, the son of Rav Tzvi uh, Hersh Berlin. And it's been pretty much discredited as a real sefer, but it says in that sefer, which many people think is La Halacha, that even a sofer, the person who writes the tainas, who has a job officially in the Bezdin, you should not use a mamzer because of Kavad Otsibar. So according to the B'Samim Rosh, if he can't even be the sofer for sure, he can't be a dayan. Um, and seemingly he, you can't make him the posek of your town and the rabbi of your town. Now, I, the Mishnah and the Rambam say you can be a dayan. So you have to say there's a difference between someone who is called to a case. You choose him to be your dayan. You choose him to be your dayan, but he's not necessarily having the job as the dying of the city. You called him because the two parties needed to have a third party or the th- two the two parties, the ones that were arguing, had to have three day on him. So even three mamzerim, the Rambam says, can be in there. But he should not be the dying of the city. Why? Because it's there's a covet at Sibor. And it's it's insulting to the Tibor that someone, even though it's no fault of his own, should be a person that has these Isurim about him. Um, now, Rav Oshri says that shouldn't the Rambam have said that? I mean, shouldn't the Shulchan Aruch have explained that? So this Shita of the Besamim Rosh um is a difficult one. And I would say it might not even be a real shita anyway, but okay. Um, also, what does it mean to be a rov? Now you might want to say that that a you know a mamzer is sort of like you you're not gonna have a mamzer as a melech. So maybe the rov is sort of like um like a king. And therefore, you know, you can't have a mamzer as your rov. So Rav Oshri says, what is the purpose of a rabbi? Part of the purpose of the rabbi is, you know, is to answer Shilas in the Yisra Vahetar. So, right? He can do that. He's not the rabbi of the community to the point that he's commanding people, and he's like a miniature governor. He's paskening. People are asking him shilas. He knows the din. He's a Talmud Chacham. The fact that he's a mamzer nebuch, okay. He's going to divorce his wife. He has to. Maybe he'll find a giyiris to marry or another mamzeres. Very, it's very sad, but he doesn't have to lose his position. But maybe there's Chilul Hashem. Why should there be Chilul Hashem? So, 
Rav Oshri uh, did some research. And he says that um, he found in the Chassam Sefer. Well, actually, um, it starts off really in the Ramah. The Ramah says um, in the Chuvos that to give smicha to a shtuki is a bizoyan latora. Okay, what does this mean, a shtuki? Uh, a shtuki is somebody who uh, was a foundling, somebody that was um, thrown out, um, you know, a, a baby that some they decided just discard, and now the baby was on the street, and someone took him in, but they realized they don't know who his parents are. Uh, the assumption is the fact that he was a throne sort of, and and, and like like laid at the orphanage is that there was probably some unwed mother or maybe uh, 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 incest. Or for some reason, that's the reason why this baby was, was, was abandoned. So if this child grows up, the Ramah says, and becomes actually a shtikot you still shouldn't give him smicha, the Ramah wrote, because it's a bizarre to Torah, because people don't get over it. People still, he's got this mark on him. And therefore, it's a bizoyum. The Chassam Sofer deepens this discussion. And he says, I know what the Gemara says, that a Mamzer Talmud Chochem comes before a Koyen Amoritz. That's to give him honor for his learning. But you don't, this is similar to what we were saying before in the Besom Rosh. You don't make him your rabbi. And the Chassam Sofer says why. Because even though they say they accept it, people will not listen to him. Especially the ones that are not so open-minded and recognize his brilliance and his understanding of learning. And when he tries to tell them a psaac, or he tries to tell them that it's wrong what we're doing, stop talking in show, whatever it is, they're going to shoot back and say, why don't you some so for new human nature and, and 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 when you're a rub of a city and you have a big uh, x on your back that everybody knows that you are apostle love of you know what they're gonna say yo mama yo mama what about your mother your mother went and lived with someone she wasn't right so don't start telling me that uh, that I shouldn't be eating this type of hashgacha. Mikosh came, but the same about Rabim shenitul kavadatera. Some sefer wrote, you know, almost two hundred years ago. Kavadatera means almost nothing. In fact, even when you have a a, a rav who's perfect yichus, the rav tries to say something. They say, "Hey, Rabbi." What about you? Tulkora. Get rid of the thing that you have. Um, and therefore, he says, some cipher, you shouldn't give this person a position. Because whatever they say now, it won't last. And the Tzibor will not give him covered. And um, 
However, the Ramah, the Chassam Sefer says, if he is a Talmud Chacham, you could still use him as your answer man to Paskin Shilas. Um, that would be okay. But don't give him a real authority position. In other words, let's say he's the smartest fellow and he could Paskin certain Shilas and certain specialized things. But do not allow him, the Chassam Sefer says, to rise in the rungs of significance in the community. Because that's just asking for trouble. It's going to be, it'll turn out that their Torah isn't going to be developed because nobody is going to, uh, everyone is going to just think when the rabbi rubs them the wrong way, they're just going to remember he's a mamzer. So, some sofer wrote it in the 1800s, the early 1800s. 150 years later, when the Shiloh came up, Rav Oshri said, you should leave your position. Um, and that would be the right thing to do. And he told him that, of course, about his wife and children, he's going to have to leave his children as well. Um, Rav Oshri called up this man. He says, I call, this man, the, the one who wanted to um, uh, give out his, 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 his revenge. And he begged him. He said, look, what are you going to gain by telling everyone? He will be able to quietly divorce his wife, which he has to do. And he will also leave his position. I've advised him to do that because the truth will get out if he just divorces his wife and no one understands why and he stays as the rabbi there's going to be and he won't have to and he'll have to remarry a Gioris or someone else everyone will know he's a mamzer he can't stay people will know it's a lack of kavod I've already told him to leave his job Ravoshri says but what do you gain by turning it into something so public in the Schil Hashem you know what you should be happy. The truth is, you came, you did your research, you found him, and you caused this woman, and I'm not saying she did the right thing, Ramoshri said. She was wrong in what she did. But he's lost his job, and the truth is, he now has to leave his wife and his family and his position. So do you need to turn this into a shvichas damim? Whatever revenge you wanted on his mother, it's already been done. Do you need to also kill him? And to tell everybody in the world what his mother did? He's not to blame. And he didn't he never even knew anything about it. So I I, I assume that Rev Ushery's words uh, made a difference um, and, and caused this man to. But these are, are, are uh, an example of one uh, very difficult uh, question that uh, was a result of that, those terrible times. One of the greatest um, symbols 
Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.